everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's first and only weekly sake podcast, and I am your host, John Puma, from the Sake Notes, uh, also the admin over at the internet, Sake Discord, everybody's favorite place to hang out and chit-chat about sake. And on the show, there is a regular guy, and there is a sake samurai, and I am the regular guy. And I am your host, Timothy Sullivan. I am a sake samurai, sake educator, as well as the founder of the Urban Sake website. And every week, John and I will be here tasting and chatting about all things sake and doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand. Ah, Tim, you know, you know what I really like? Uh, you know what gets me excited as a, as a sake nerd? What's that? <laughs> uh, I get really excited when popular, really popular brands over in mm. Japan mm-hmm. finally make their way over to the States. You mean like cult brands, right? Cult that, brands, like the ones, the kind, the kinds of brands that when people go to Japan, they come back and they're like, "Oh my God, where can I get such and such?" And you're like, "Well, you kind of can't." I'm sorry. And then it, suddenly, one day, that's no longer the truth, and mm. you can get these cult brands, and you spread the cult. <laughs> <laughs> So, what cult are you in, John? I'm dying to know. Oh no, I'm 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 not actually in uh, any any sake cults. I don't think I'm in the <laughs> sake revolution cult. Definitely. Uh, what about you? Are you in any sake cults that we need to know about? <laughs> no, no. So that has me thinking that we are going to be exploring a cult brand today. Yes, yes. It is time yes. for another branded episode of Sake All Revolution. Right. All right. Yeah, one of one of my favorite series that we do here, uh, because I do think it's a lot of fun when we get into these brands like this. We get in the nitty gritty of why they're so popular. All right. Um, well, tell yeah. us what you know about the brand we're looking at today. Today's brand, Tim, is Gcon. 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 Yeah. So Gcon is. One of those bottles they always put in the window of the izakaya, even when they don't have it in stock. Mm. It's one of those, we had this once, <laughs> you see, <laughs> to get your attention, because it is a very attention-getting sake. It is a very popular, a little culty um, mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of brand. And it does get people, it brings all the boys and girls to the yard. And the yard <laughs> is your izakaya if you're in Japan. <laughs> so... You are a fan, I take it. They make very good sake. Okay. So what has your experience been with Gcon so far when you've had it in Japan? Any memories about <laughs> the taste or the profile? Well, I actually had a flight of it once at Ooh. a place in um, in Shinjuku called a Gunko Iyaji, mm-hmm. which means like grumpy old man. I think we might have talked about this place before on the show. And I that day... And it was like first night in Tokyo, you're tired, you're jet lagged, nothing's really working right. And I, I really didn't love it. Being completely really? honest, I had a flight and I didn't, I really didn't love it. And so I kind of went a little time after that thinking like, eh. Dun, dun, dun. Plot twist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, it was a plot twist. But um, honestly, I think it was me because uh, a, a year later we came across it and somebody poured it for me 
And I was like, this, is this the same stuff? I can't believe it. This is spectacular. Oh my gosh. And I, I, so I think it was just one of those things that when you, sometimes you've been on a plane for, you know, for 14 mm. hours and you check in, you deal with immigration, you check in your hotel, you know, you're tired, your taste buds are all out of whack from being in a flight for so long. I think that's what it was because every mm-hmm. other experience I've had with this brand since then has been really nice and really pleasant. Uh, Tim, what about you? Do you have any pre-arrival in the United States experiences with Gcon? I remember it from Japan. I remember drinking it in Japan, but and really liking it. Hmm. But I don't have specific memories of an experience. But I knew that it was a very coveted brand in Japan. <laughs> People displayed it very proudly, as you said. And I remember it being kind of soft and gentle in mm. overall mm-hmm. profile. Yeah, definitely. Easy uh, drinking, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think that that's the kind of stuff that gets culty in Japan, at least these days. I think that mm. it, there's trends, and I think that you're going to see yeah. that's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to go you know, probably a different way at some point. Yeah, so do you know what the name Gcon means? I actually do not. Um, at one point in, in my really unfortunately brief self-knowledge of Japanese, I, I noticed <laughs> it is very similar to the word for hour. Oh. But it is not the word for hour. It's not the word for hour. <laughs> so I actually do not know what it means. <laughs> well, the English translation that the importer has come up with is called here and now. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a word that ties to the Zen concept of living in the here and now or living in the moment. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Not bad. Living in Isn't the that here great? Now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good name for your sake. Yeah. So that's, that's the name. I did a little research into the brewery and the current owner slash Toji, and there's some really interesting nuggets of information here. So the brewery name, so Gcon is the brand name, mm-hmm. but the brewery that actually makes this sake is called Kiyasho Shuzo, and they were founded in 1818, and it's- <laughs> Because not, of course they were. <laughs> of course they were. <laughs> and they've been going for six generations. Uh, mm. This is Mie Prefecture, Nabari City. And it's pretty far deep into Mie Prefecture. So Mm -hmm. Mie Prefecture is on the Pacific Ocean, and it's pretty far away from the ocean into Mm -hmm. the prefecture Mm -hmm. and kind of in a mountain valley area. And the current owner, Toji, president, is Tadayoshi Onishi. Oh, wow. So he's he's doing both roles. Yes, Wow. And he's at he's the sixth generation, and he took over in 2003, and get this, at the age of 27 years old. <laughs> I mean, is it, it can't be, this cannot be a coincidence, Tim, that when we talk about these cult brands, yeah. there's almost always a story of a young person coming in yes. at, you know, with fresh ideas uh, yes. and, and, and doing it their own way. Now, did the G-Con brand come with him or did that exist beforehand? No, the G-Con brand was a new invention that was founded in 2005. Mm. So he took over in 2003 at the age of 27 and the brewery, when he took it over was very different than it is today. They were making about 100 Koku of sake. 
So about 1,800 liters of sake a year. Mm -hmm. So very, very small production. And they were making almost exclusively futsushu or table sake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said the brand previously used to do lots of charcoal filtration and is very different sake. And he tried hard originally to sell this sake. Mm -hmm. And you know what he said in an interview? He said that he tried juyon dai. (laughs) <laughs> which is from your favorite prefecture. It is, it is. Yamagata. That's another cult brand. Yes. And and oftentimes in in the store uh in the store window right alongside the bottle of Jikon is a bottle of Jiundai. So now yes. they're kind of teammates almost in this in this cult brand uh competition. Yeah, so when Onishi-san tried Juyondai, the scales fell from his eyes. And he was like, I've been trying to sell this Futsushu, but what I really need to do is retool and just brew better sake. Mm. And that got him obsessed with becoming the Toji, making better sake, and started his journey to creating Jikong. That's really, really interesting. Uh, Especially considering like, I, I think they always talk about how the sales of futsushu go down every year, and the sales mm-hmm. of the of the more premium stuff tend to are tipping up every year. So he kind yeah. of saw which way the wind was blowing in a way mm. in in real time. It was like his his sales for his his uh, futsushu were going down, and he tasted this like really really popular premium sake and decided this was the way forward. This was the here and now. Perhaps. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So at age 27, he, he did take a course at the National Research Institute of Brewing, and they train up-and-coming next-generation brewers. So he did go back to school, studied a bit about brewing, learned some from the previous toji. And then the thing that I love about this story, about Onishi-san, is that he didn't like retool the whole brewery mm-hmm. and start making Jikon. It has been step by step, little by little, he's made changes year after year after year. Mm -hmm. And he added new equipment bit by bit. And his approach, I heard someone describe it almost like an engineer. Okay. Starting to create this new brand, this new style, and growing it over, over many, many years. And he said in an interview in uh, 2019, his last big acquisition for the brewery was buying a new rice steamer. And he says, now my all, all my needs are met for equipment. From 2003 to 2019, bit by bit, he changed things, added things, bought new equipment. And he said he, he got his dream rice steamer in 2019. And uh, he's been continuing to change. And I think that he will continue to tweak his koji making product. Mm. He just seems like that kind of, of uh, engineer type brewer who's always tweaking and growing and changing. Do we have any idea what his background was before he took over? Well, he did say in one of the interviews that he worked at a dairy facility Mm. before he got to the brewery. Mm -hmm. And that informed a lot of his ideas about how clean and hygienic to keep Mm. the brewery. So one of the Mm. things he did when he took over was he instituted new cleaning rules for the brewery, which enables this super right. lovely soft kind before, of socket. Before he started assembling the Cura of Theseus. <laughs> <laughs> Replacing one a little bit at a time, Tim. Yeah. 
but isn't that great? I, like I think it. that perfection is the enemy of getting things done, right? Don't it they is, say something? It is. Um, yeah. That is something that I think we should all be reminded of in many parts of our lives. He didn't wait until he had his dream rice steamer in place. He created sake with what he had and improved it year after year. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, his philosophy was really, I got to make something that people will have a sip of and just love immediately. That's the style of sake I want to make. And it will sell itself. <laughs> That's proved out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a very popular sake. It's a, not only is it very, like I mentioned, it's very popular in the secondary market because people mm. have a really hard time getting their hands on it. If you Google up G-Con on like Japanese, like, like eBay or auction sites, like bottles go for a lot more than retail. Yeah. It's very unusual. Now, we want to be clear that this sake is exported to the U.S. Yes. It's a little hard to come by. You need to go to your specialty retailers to find it. But yes. it is out there. You definitely want to seek it out. And you and I do not like promoting sakes or brands that are unavailable. What's the point of that, right? Right. Yeah, we, we obtain these through completely legitimate means. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this is not from the, the uh, black market underground. No, no nobody, <laughs> nobody stuck this in their luggage and brought it over for us. This was, <laughs> this, was brought, this was brought over on a container ship the way God intended. <laughs> <laughs> a refrigerated container ship. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we've got some Jeet Kong. Yeah, uh, so yeah. we do have one each, a coveted bottle of Jeet Kong. And do you want to give us the information about which sake we'll be tasting today and tell us a little bit about this sake? Certainly. This is the Jeet Kong Tokubetsu Junmai. So they're special Junmai. This is a pasteurized sake, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, again, the brewery, as Tim mentioned earlier, is uh, Kyosho Shuzo in Mie Prefecture. And this sake is rocking a combination of Yamada Nishiki and Hatan Nishiki rice, milled down to 60% of its original size. Your sake meter value is plus two, very well balanced. The acidity is 1.7%. And then your alcohol percentage uh, is showing at uh, 16 to 16 and a half. All right. So yeah. Jikon Tokubetsu Junmai. And again, Tokubetsu means the special Junmai. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, the Jikon is the here and now. Yeah. Live for today, Tim. Live for today. Yes. I'm totally zen. I'm totally in the moment. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Let's get this in the glass. Oh, I'm getting wafting. <laughs> I've poured it in the glass. Is, uh, the, is it the um, aroma's wafting? From the other room, or is it is it right there? <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so we've talked about some melon in our days, John, <laughs> on this podcast. We've <laughs> talked our melon. We've talked about melon Our before. melon talk. <laughs> but this is exceedingly melony mm. don't you think it is even for us <laughs> so it's a lot of melon and there is a in a very even though this is pasteurized this is a freshness mm. to the aroma mm. of the melon like yeah. very fresh melon yeah you, you just slice that honeydew open 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it smells super juicy and fresh. Mm. Mm. I'm also picking up on a little bit of floral, floral notes. Like if you think about white flower or orange blossom or something like there's a little floral note in there in addition to the super juicy melon aromas. I think I'm with you on that orange blossom specifically. Mm. Um, but that's, it's really like melon and orange. It's a mm. hint of orange. It's very mm. harmonious. I like that a lot. Yes. And along with the orange, maybe a hint of something citrusy too. If you think about lemon rind or mm. lime, lime rind, something in there just has that mm. balanced note of brightness, really a lovely aroma. It is. It is. And you know, sometimes you sip on a sake and you get like a little sharpness up your nose mm-hmm. from the alcohol level, but this is just soft and round. Like there's none, no sharpness in the aroma at all. Right. It's really gentle. Uh, we should take a moment here and mention though, it is just a tiny shade north of clear. <laughs> there is a slight, very, very slight bit of yellowing, but it's almost non-existent. It is... If you have the the, the, the shading tool in, in, in Photoshop, you, you click it up once for, for yellow. <laughs> oh, my God. What a nerd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a just a tinge of color here and also a tinge of bubbles in there. Like a little, like if it was charcoal filtered, it was very gently done mm. is all I want to say. Yeah. I think I, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording, but I want to tell everybody else now that when you mentioned the bubbles, um, when I was getting my bottle earlier and grabbing my glass, I had put my bottle on the bar and it was not quite level on our little bar mat and the bottle actually fell over. So I grabbed my glass. I came with the bottle to, to the table here to, uh, to do the show. And when I, <laughs> sat the bottle down, I noticed I had a lot of bubbles like rushing towards the top. And I was like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> there's a little more, uh, a little more gas in here than I expected, but it is pasteurized. So yes, it is pasteurized. And we're saying, all right, well enough jabber, enough jibber, enough jabber, jabber. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's taste this puppy. All right. Hmm. Now this is your kind of sake. Oh yeah. I can tell. Yes. Yeah. I want to say, so it's got all of that fruit that I really love, all that melon that I really enjoy. Yeah. And I want to say over the past two years that we've been doing this show, something that's become very important to me has become mouthfeel. I've become <laughs> such a, just a, a nerd for texture. I really focus on that when I'm having my sake mm. now. And this is not not silky like your super premium, you know, low, super low polish percentage Daiginjo's. This is active and a little fizzy. Those bubbles I was talking about, mm. they're still having a little fun in there. Hmm. So what, when you say texture, what, what type of texture are you looking for or responding to here? Right here it is very, very slightly almost fizzy. When I say slightly, oh, I I, I'm saying sl- very, very slightly. And then I'm also saying almost <laughs> fizzy. Mm. Uh, so you know, it's just a tiny bit of texture that it's not a, it's not a sparkling sake in any way. No, it's not. But, no. yeah. but there is like a, just a little bit in there that just kind of like dances across your tongue a little bit and it's really pleasant. Hmm. Interesting. 
When I think of texture in sake, I also think of the weight of the sake mm. and how it coats your tongue, how it coats your palate, the roof of your mouth. Some are lighter, more water-like. Some are super thick and velvety. And there's a middle ground between those as well. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about texture, we also talk about our impression of the weight of the sake when we sip it. Mm. And the thing that really grabbed my attention when I sipped on this was actually it is not as dry as I was expecting. Oh. It's, there's a little sweetness there, yep. an impression of sweetness, I'll say, because mm -hmm. it is super melony and super fruity. And when I sipped on it, I interpreted it more as a little bit on the sweet side versus on the dry side. So wh where do you land, John, on the sweet versus on the dry sweet for to this? dry, I mm. think the... I agree with you. It is definitely not something I would consider dry. And, mm -hmm. you know, there is a, a nice touch of sweetness here that mm. is, you know, it just, just hits that tipping point towards sweet a little bit without really mm. bowling you over. You know, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's well balanced. It's, you know, it's that, that is there and it's not overwhelming. Mm. But it does feel kissed with sweetness. You know, it's not, mm. it's not, a sweet sake, but there's a hint of something sweet, especially at the front of the impression. And then the alcohol level is 16 to 16 and a half, which is higher than average. Mm -hmm. So you do get some weight and some structure from that alcohol and that balances out sweetness, of course. And then the acidity is a little bit higher too. I don't get a, a overwhelming acidity. It's all, it's all balanced. But I think the little bit higher acidity, a little bit higher alcohol are there to rein in that sweetness, which if they weren't as high, I think it might uh, come a little bit more to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, yeah, your, your, your sweetness is there. Your acidity is there. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're probably, you know, like you mentioned, probably playing a little bit to balance each other out. And it's, it's just so nice. It's really well put together. Mm. It's so interesting that this is somebody who like was selling a completely different style of sake tasted essentially which way the wind was blowing. And then was like, I'm going to do something like that. And I say something like that because this is not the flavor profile of Giondai. No, you know, I, I have had Giondai and you know, while I, I recognize that both of them are very popular sakes, uh, especially in their, in their circles, they're, they're different. They're very different. They're both excellent, but they're different. And I really like that he was like inspired by it, but not beholden to it. Yeah, I think Chiyondai was the original cult sake <laughs> way back when. Yeah, yeah. The OG cult sake. I'll get its own episode yeah. one of these days, Tim. Maybe. <laughs> if enough of it comes over. Exactly. That bottle would be even harder to find than Jikon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask you one of my favorite questions. What about food pairing? Now, this is not, for me, this is not a simple one. Mm, no, this is a, I was kind of hoping you'd go first on this one, actually. Because <laughs> You're in the hot seat. I am. <laughs> I, I really like this. And even though it is a tokubetsu junmai, it is, to, to my palate, it seems really delicate. And I am mm. really worried about messing it up. And uh, so I would stick to your 
meals that are not going to get in the way too much. So I would love to have this with uh, some lightly salted chicken, like a yakitori style. Uh, yeah, we haven't touched on the yakitori in a while, Tim. Um, you know, I, I'm personally, I'm a big fan of like a chicken breast yakitori with like little, little dabs of wasabi on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sasami, very mild flavor and complements light sake very well, in my opinion. What about mm-hmm. you? What do you think? Well, I think I've used this example before, but something also a little bit on the lighter side. I like the idea of having a salad with some type of fruity vinaigrette on it. Mm. Or, you know, sakes that have this melony citrus edge to them, just a, a scooch higher acidity. I love to have them with a salad with like a raspberry vinaigrette or something like that. Mm. Something that has that fruity element to it to complement the sake. You could also put chicken on a salad like that and make a meal out of it. And maybe a few walnuts sprinkled in there for texture and a little bit of saltiness. And that type of meal is something I really like. It's light. It's not heavy. And for me, the fruitiness in the dressing would play really well with the delicious floral melon notes in this sake. What do you think of that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think I've ever tried salad with sake before. Mm. I don't think I've ever done it. And... I think I need like this needs to be a, a little project for me. I think I need to try this. This is your homework. Yeah, it's my homework. <laughs> um, I need to prepare a salad and pair it with some sake. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. I love having yeah. a salad at home, putting some chicken in it. Uh, you know, like um, I don't do so much with the walnuts, but that that is interesting mm. too. Yeah, just avoid some lettuce. There's certain lettuces that have a real bitterness to them, mm. and I don't really like those in my salad too much but like mescaline greens or Mm -hmm. romaine lettuce right and let the vinaigrette really do the talking some people put slices of citrus into their salads as well Mm -hmm. little slices of orange or something like that it's really i love those flavors with this type of sake that sounds nice that sounds real good all right so i'll I'll have some yakitori you have some salad and we'll report back (laughs) you let me know how that turned out and i'll no, I'll have yakitori. You ah, have salad. Wait, all right. Well, I kind of really still want the. I still want the yakitori. <laughs> yeah one one thing I do want to say about food recommendations when we talk about pairings, I try to talk about pairings in an overarching way and talk about general flavor profiles. Like a salad with a citrus vinaigrette is a pretty broad category. There's yeah. many many ways you can go with that. I like to give pairing recommendations that are just general guidelines and go explore. And the same with yakitori. Yakitori is like a charcoal grilled chicken. And there's so many ways you can go with that. So these are, in my mind, just jumping off points for people to explore. Mm. Yeah. Since I'm, I'm fairly inexperienced with the, the, the science of pairing, I try to think about what, when I, when I taste a sake, what food it makes me crave. And that's kind of where my mind goes when I'm, uh, when I'm thinking about these pairing ideas. What, what kind of food does it make me want to have right now? And mm. I feel like it's almost like a puzzle piece in that, point, in that way. And I feel like if I have the food that the sake makes me want, then the mm. sake and the food are going to go well together. I don't know if any of that's true, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, just dive in and try it. There's very little you can do wrong. It's a low risk activity, sake and food pairing. (laughs) Chances are very high you'll come out happy at the end of the meal. Excellent. Sounds great. All right. Mm. So this was a great sake. Yeah. So do you think Jikon has earned its status as a cult sake? I mean, I think it's fantastic and I'm really glad to have it in the States now. Lucky for us. Yeah. Definitely lucky for us that we can get it here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he they're willing to share their kind of rare sake with us is also a testament to the, wanting sake to become a global beverage, which I think that's a dream of a lot of brewers over there. Uh, that's a very, very good point. I think a brand like this could easily sell all of their sake in Japan yes. and run through everything they make and do really fine for themselves. But instead, they're making a conscious effort to send it overseas and get that reaction and build up even more interest in their brand. That's how you build a brand, Tim. <laughs> That's a super great point, John. I love that. Mm. You know, it, it He could just, you know, just sell it all in Japan, like you said, but wanting to spread the love and share his style around the world is just awesome. Yeah. And we are the beneficiaries of that. All right. Wow. Well, another branded in the can. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yes. <laughs> we explored G-Con today and we definitely lived in the moment throughout this whole episode. <laughs> yes, definitely lived in the moment. And uh, I'm going to be uh, seeing how long that moment lasts with this bottle in, the, in, yes. our, in our apartment. We'll, we'll okay. see. All right, John, great to taste with you. Great to explore this great brand from Mie. I also want to take a moment and thank all of our patrons. Thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron yourself and support Sake Revolution, please visit patreon.com slash sake revolution. And if you want another way to support us, you can give us a review over on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. That really still does get this podcast into new ears. We love that you guys are already listening, but we're looking for new people too. So until next time, please remember to keep drinking sake and come by.